0: I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling.
1: And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help. With the aid of my favorite wrestling show, this is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start
0: and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time.
1: This week, we visit the barbershop. With the episode of NXT that originally aired on September 4th, 2014. In this episode. No, really, we're going to a (laughs) barbershop. This is a real thing that's happening. No,
0: it's a salon. (laughs)
1: It's a salon. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a salon. episode 68 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we met our new NXT general manager, and it was William Regal, and we were very happy. This episode is the go-home show for NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way, and there were several parts of it that made me happy. Uh, Hopefully the same is true for Bob. We'll find out in Bob's breakdown. A little bit less happiness coming after that when we ring the bell for one of our friends here in NXT. But I think we can get our smile back with the sights, sounds, and feels of pro-wrestling, not to mention the awarding of the Lawrence Bolivier Award for outstanding commitment to the bit. And then, the happiness just keeps coming with another Megan Bob fanfic, followed by a particularly deadly edition of Wrestling (sighs) Term of the Week, and of course, the sunniest segment in podcasting history, the Cheap Pop Quiz! But before any of that, we need to get the answers to last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. Six points is Bob's current count. Let's see if that goes any
0: higher today. Please, I just, I don't want to edit anything, but I really, really want to make you read this book, which again, if you don't like it, there will be problems. (laughs) We will have a hair versus hair match, Miles. (laughs) That's a problem for me, Bob. I love my hair. I know. I don't mind shaving mine off, so I got nothing to lose. Yeah,
1: well, all right. Well, anyway, question number one, I guess. So as you know, we have a new regular character making their way to NXT on the next episode, and this individual is actually still very much a part of WWE on the main roster. Who is it? Is it A. Carmella B. Elias Samson C. Apollo Cruz, D. Baron Corbin, non-jobber version Or E. <laughs> Mandy Rose Bob, you went with D. Baron Corbin uh, as you have done a couple of times before, I'm cause... just gonna
0: keep saying Baron Corbin because one of these days it will be Baron Corbin until you get to the point where you just don't even ask; you just tell me. Oh, right. by the way, Baron Corbin's on the next episode, and I'll go fuck you, Miles.
1: Yeah, well, it is not this day, Bob. Uh, this day, the answer was a Carmela. Uh, she shows up for the first time in this episode. We will get to that. I have thoughts. Question number two, but that's not all when it comes to NXT newcomers. In a video package for the upcoming TakeOver event, we learn for the first time of a new signee who will be debuting at that event. And it's a big deal, because this person was a huge name on the independent scene at the time, and arguably still is. Which indie promotion, when they signed in 2014, were they most associated with? A. Ring of Honor, another American promotion that WWE had already harvested by this time for stars like CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Cesaro, Seth Rollins, and Sami Zayn. B. Shimmer Women Athletes, the American all-female promotion that had already hosted wrestlers like Bayley and Becky Lynch. C. Pro Wrestling NOAH, a well-known Japanese promotion. D. Combat Zone Wrestling, a well-known American hardcore and deathmatch promotion. Or E. Chikara. Bob, I don't know how the fuck you got this one right. I don't think you even knew. As I recall, you just said you had a feeling that it was going to be Pro Wrestling Noah, the Japanese promotion. And you were correct about that.
0: I know that that's where they harvested some people a long time ago. So that worked out. Look, that works out. And question number
1: three. Next episode's main event is the tag team tournament finals, contested between the VOD Villains and Kalisto and Sin Cara. Who wins that match? Is it A. Kalisto and Sin Cara, cleanly? B. The VOD Villains cleanly? C. The VOD Villains by cheating? D. Kalisto and Sin Cara, despite the VOD Villains cheating? Or E, the match goes to a time limit draw, and new general manager William Regal decides that both teams will face the Ascension to take over in a triple threat match. Bob, you went with D, Kalisto and Sankara, despite the Vaudevillains cheating. Very close. The Vaudevillains, however, did not cheat during the match. It's weird that they don't cheat. <laughs> They're like uh, honorable heels, right?
0: They're like garden plots with Skeletor Skeletor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in many yeah, yeah. Ways. The correct answer, as you know now, was A, Kalisto and Sinkara cleanly. We will talk about that. So, another point on the board, Bob. You're up to seven yes. for this one. Potentially, at the end of this episode, you could have all ten points. We got a ways to go before we get there, so let's get into it, Bob. Let's get into Bob's breakdown.
0: We're coming up. On TakeOver 2, The Secret of the Ooze. (laughs) And I am extremely excited about it. This go-home show is packed with matches. And in many ways, it feels like the day before you're going to go shopping for something, you're actually going to cook. And you're just going, well, look, I've got stuff in the fridge that needs using up. So let's just throw these things together for right now. (laughs) And uh, that is how I have themed this thing. So commentary is Byron Saxton, Renee Young, and Tom Phillips. This is cheating. I already have huge feels about not getting Regal on commentary again. I'm sure occasionally he'll do like a guest spot on commentary, but. Mm, Nope, not really. Okay. I love his voice and I love what he adds. Okay, not the weird racist and sexist shit, but I could say that about most of the commentators. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Like, ah, he was the best of a bunch that was fucked up.
1: Among wrestling commentators, he was one of the best ones. So it is a shame that we're not going to hear him on commentary again. I don't think. I mean, I'll be pleasantly surprised if he shows up on commentary one day.
0: Match one. What's left in the fridge for this match? (laughs) It's a handful of rice and some roast beef with horseradish. You could probably (laughs) turn that into like a frittata, maybe a weird frittata. So this handful of rice prances to the ring. Tutu in full sparkle mode. It is Alexa Bliss. Horseradish beef will be played by Charlotte Flair in this match. (laughs) Charlotte is wearing red and does her gymnastics like she's angry at the crowd for even being there. Her gymnastics have turned spiteful lately. Yeah, (laughs) I really love it. I used to do these because they made me happy. And now I realize they make you happy and fuck you for enjoying them. (laughs) Like, Okay, okay, sorry. Don't do them. (laughs) Bliss does a tiny curtsy after the bell rings. Charlotte Flair's like, yeah, it's headlock time. It is apparent that this rice is still yet young and untried in the ring. As Bliss goes to the top rope, she's going to use her momentum from jumping down to force Charlotte to do a somersault. Dot, dot, dot. Profit? I don't know. Maybe a <laughs> pin attempt. Who can say? <laughs> At any rate, this brave handful of rice is doing its best. And it's kind of shaky on the ropes. But this rice has the thighs strong enough to throw Charlotte across the ring. Oh, no, though. The horseradish beef hates this and begins to mercilessly bully the rice. (laughs) The camera does a close up on the rice, clutching her chest and looking bereft. The horseradish beef hoists Bliss up to slam her to the mat. But the rice goes over the top of Charlotte's head, diving down her back in a sunset flip. And now prone on the floor, the rice strikes. And pulls Charlotte down, too, in a pinning predicament. Kick out. Charlotte grabs the rice by the hair and smashes her nose into the mat with bow down to the queen and pins her for the win. And then horseradish beef does a saucy little fuck you curtsy. I loved it. I loved it so much. I know. You should always have a sarcastic move that you're going to do if you're a heel. I think that's really important. Bailey's music hits. Bailey comes out and says, you refused to shake my hand, but I earned this. So you should take her seriously because she's seriously going to take your title. And she holds out her hand. Charlotte examines her own hand like, hmm, do I dare mess up this perfect palm? I just had it styled or something. <laughs> and then just shoves Bailey's face. And Bailey snaps back with a belly to Bailey suplex. Huzzah! Yay! Horseradish Beef looks incensed at this enterprising half a PB&J sandwich that holds <laughs> up the title in triumph. Backstage, in a talking headset borrowed from the Real Housewives of Milwaukee, <laughs> Tyler Breeze has this to say No one else is as hot as him. Why are we even talking about who's going to win this match? He is the best looking. Also, he gets it done in the ring, and he's going to get it done in the ring this time too. Ad for takeover. We get like 8 million of these. Matches yeah. are happening, but also Kenta is coming. Mm-hmm. He is a stern black shorts man. I <laughs> yes. am intrigued. Backstage, Devin is talking to Cara and Kalisto. They're both in full gear. Like, Kalisto has his little superhero jacket on and everything. Yeah. How are they feeling about this match against the VOD villains? Cara answers the question in Spanish and not interpretive dance, which is kind of True. a bummer because I really like secret bees, Cara. <laughs> I love hearing Spanish, but I also love bees. I want both.
1: Kalisto was more doing the interpretive dance because like, he like jumped in to the freaking frame and had to like stop himself.
0: Aww.
1: It was very cute.
0: Kalisto is translating. They're a strong tag team and they've got this. And then Devin wraps up. And then as they leave, Sinkara just says, we look forward to the challenge in English. And I fucking love it when there's a late reveal that a character speaks a language. I yeah. love it every time. It's they fantastic. should do it all the time.
1: I love it where it's like, yeah, I could speak your stupid language, but I don't want to.
0: <laughs> yes. I fucking love that. It's so great.
1: Like, why don't you speak my language? Devin? Yeah, exactly.
0: Although Devin does. Devin does a bit, which That's we true. will she get does to do, in uh, a second. She does
1: start speaking Spanish at the end and Calista responds to her, which is fun.
0: Yes, I have many thoughts about it. Match two. Ty Dillinger, the packet of croutons from last week's salad, is facing Tyler Breeze, the unfinished bottle of wine that you're probably just going to drink straight from the bottle while you're cooking. Because, like, why dirty a glass, though, right? (laughs) Dillinger does a cheeky tit bounce off the ropes. Now. He does. I know what you're thinking, person at home. Like, what does that even mean? And what it means is, has hands at her side. And just leans into the ropes, tits first, and bounces off the rope like, look at these bad boys. And I was like- Some
1: would say pecs, we say tits.
0: Yeah, I more of this. So much more of this. We don't get enough tit-based content that's man-based. Mm-hmm. Like, bring back the pec shimmy, and I, more of this tit bouncing. I just want- I want there to be a lot more goofiness that's like, hey, come on. So, wine comes to the ring in his black ostrich fur, so you know he's not fucking around. We're all betting on the wine to look strong in this outing, but croutons, nothing to sneeze at. No, no, certainly not. And they do the thing where they come at each other off the ropes playing who can stay upright, and the answer is Dillinger. Mm. He stops and shakes his shoulders a little bit like, yeah, that's right, you thought I was an ordinary crouton. You didn't know I was a spicy crouton. (laughs) There is like several grains of pepper on this crouton. <laughs> he catches Breeze off the ropes and does the crotch drop onto the knee that Miles insists is about the tailbone, despite it's Breeze. to be. Clearly clutching his testes, sure. <laughs> Look, uh, Miles, you don't have to convince me. You have to convince every other fucking wrestler in the world.
1: Look, he's, he's not clutching his testes. He's reaching past his testes to clutch his butt. Obviously, Uh, mm, (sighs) Why you would clutch your butt
0: from that direction? I don't know, Bob. Ask Tyler Breeze from seven (laughs) years ago. Let's face it. There's only so much a crouton, even a spicy crouton, can do against a half-finished bottle of wine. We've all been there. (laughs) Better angels of our nature are no match for the power of a stale Pinot Grigio. (laughs) Crouton is beauty-shotted into the garbage, and Breeze checks his good looks in his phone after claiming the pin. All right, Miles. These matches are making the other people look good. And I appreciate that a lot. It's still really weird that they're like going, actually, these are sort of competitive. I
1: appreciate it. It
0: seems like weird timing. Yeah. You're like, you should have been doing this four weeks ago. Not today. Exactly. There's also one of them that's really
1: not competitive, like where the other person gets to do basically nothing. And I'm very, I'm looking forward to talking about that one because I found it interesting.
0: Oh, I've already forgotten which one that is. But I'm curious to find out which one it is in my own breakdown, maybe. (laughs) Backstage, sensible preppy Tyson Kidd has his collar crisp as a fall morning over his sweater. He lists the fine qualities of each of the competitors he's going up against. And then you find out that the whole time he was talking about himself.
1: It's so good.
0: Ooh, you heal, you absolute cad! <laughs> Ugh. Video package. Okay. Oh my fucking god, Miles. Oh, let's talk about it. My fucking god. And so and Cass are at Hair the salon. You know the place. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been to Hair. They're gonna get hair removal cream from Carmella. They are improving the shit out of this as two dummies getting ready to do a prank. <laughs> we meet Carmella blonde beautiful uh wiggle skirt i think like a cheetah print blouse or something
1: something like that yeah
0: carmella brings them a bucket of cream and tells them to be careful because it's strong Uh and then a guy comes in with a very fake british accent
1: and a (laughs) dog you can barely even tell what that accent is
0: Uh, Yeah, it's very much like a, this was a four-year-old's portrait of a British accent. (laughs) He asks Carmela to watch the dog for a second while he goes to get a wax. Enzo and Cass start squabbling about who should try the hair removal cream just to see if it works. Carmela's over here holding Fifi, the enormous poodle's leash. They start scuffling with the bucket. And it lands all over Fifi the dog, not on the dog's face because they're not monsters. It's on the dog's like butt. They're screaming, and then Enzo pulls a huge clump of poodle fluff off of Fifi. Holy jeez, it works! Says Cass. <laughs> and they book it out of there. And this is all filmed on Cass's phone, I believe, or a little tiny shit yeah, handheld no, Cass's camera.
1: Phone.
0: Submit this for an Oscar.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> fucking great. How often do we get off-site shenanigans like the whole salon thing? Is that rare? Is it budget constraints? Is it? Do you see more of it on the main roster because they have more money or whatever? Yeah, you definitely see
1: more of it on the main roster, but it's still like relatively rare. It's only an hour-long show, so they don't have a ton of time to fill with shenanigans like this. But when they <sighs> do it, man, it's great. I love this kind of shit. A lot of like the most famous main roster moments have happened in this kind of environment. Like there's the really famous bit from the Attitude Era where Vince is in the hospital and like <laughs> Steve Austin is like pretending to be a nurse and then like rips off the mask to reveal of Steve Austin and starts beating him <laughs> up. <laughs> there's a lot of really good, notable ones, but uh it's one of those things where it doesn't happen super often. Usually when it happens, it's worth talking about.
0: Match three Spiteful Crusty Pasta Tyson Kid <laughs> is here to fight random handful of edibles Adam Rose. <laughs> Should you eat those when you're just hungry? No, definitely not. <laughs> Don't do that. Party time all the time. Party time all the time. Rose starts out in control, but Crusty Pasta bites back with a need of the <laughs> gut on those edibles. Edibles resents this audacity and does some big (laughs) elbows. Kid rolls out of the ring and goes to the apron. Edibles should know better, but comes over for a look and ends up being grabbed and kicked in the side of the head. Don't do that to the Edibles. Do you know how much those things freaking cost? Seriously. Krusty Pasta doesn't give even one single frick and just screams in the face of Rose and gets a headlock in like, tell me how big my biceps are. Say it and then the edibles hit rose <laughs> fights back and does a big old spin him around and slam him down but ultimately miles we all know that the munchies are going to be a problem and mm-hmm. that's when the crusty pasta strikes that's when the
1: crusty pasta gets you
0: you're like i would never eat that i have dignity and then you're like nope i have none i'm just hungry i,
1: I need something give it to me
0: <laughs> this three-day-old taco bell i will take yeah. it yeah Kid locks in the sharpshooter, and Rose is forced to tap.
1: Yeah, this was the one where, like, I didn't think Adam Rose got to do very much.
0: He did not, and it was shocking to me that he didn't get to do very much, considering that they don't like to have their main roster people tanked like that. But I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, clearly you already don't like Adam Rose, and you don't care anymore, and that's sad. I was gonna say, yeah,
1: it kind of tells you about, it gives you a little bit of foreshadowing as to how his main roster career is going.
0: I don't want you to ring the bell for him, but if you do ring the bell for him, I want it to be good things that happen to him, and I'm very afraid they won't be, because Mm. so often it's not, and then also, these are not necessarily people who make good life choices always, because they are carnies, and they live a carny lifestyle. I'm not saying that you can't be like a good person as a carny, but I'm saying like, if your job is like running a con, which is wrestling and you're an independent contractor right. and that is the world you live in, oh my God, it's not surprising that Summer Ray works for a Bitcoin company or whatever. Indeed. Backstage, flat cap wearing Sami Zayn is here to say, I'll win, but he says, I'll like five times first. Like he's not really sure. And he'd prefer to pin Adrian Neville, even though Neville is his friend, because Neville's the champion. Right. I am sensing acting choices, and I am not Mm. sure what they foretell. Okay. But I have thoughts on what they could foretell, but I am scared about all of them. Backstage, the villains, the film quality goes all black and white and deteriorated, and the real sound hits. Mm Mm-hmm they're going to win because they rule but more importantly gotch says something he says excelsior and i was yeah. like oh my god he's such a good boy ah. <laughs> yes. match number 4 handsome sweet potato waffle skinks to the ring the crowd is thrilled and one guy in a pork pie hat is skanking in the crowd. My love to that man wherever he may be. What a hero. And then the remainder of a jar of cornichons, Marcus Louis, comes to the ring. The audience is chanting something. Was it ooh la la, Miles? I don't
1: know, but maybe I couldn't okay. tell.
0: Because it was mm, uh, uh, mm, uh, yeah, uh I, and I was like, I, I don't is know. that that's the only that was my only guess.
1: It wasn't uh, loud enough or sustained enough for me to be able to tell what it was. There was a couple of chants like that in this episode.
0: Yeah, it was chantful, but I was like, well, look, if closed captioning isn't going to cover what the chants are, what good are
1: you to me? What even is the point?
0: Okay, so these cornichons, not very experienced, but the sweet potato waffle is selling the shit out of everything. Zane sells a backbreaker like he'll never walk again, like his tailbone has been shattered. Now, the cornichons take hold. And a headlock probably the right choice. I mean, what are you going to do with these cornichons? You just have them and you just snack on them periodically. You're not going <sighs> to make them the centerpiece of a meal. What are you doing? I mean, I would, but I love a vinegary boy. Sweet Potato Waffle battles back and does his Street Fighter double jump. And then he rolls over the cornichons and locks in the Koji clutch. And n- no cornichon can stand up to that. Sammy Zane's knee is provocatively placed. The erotic tension is too much. (laughs) Marcus Louis taps and sweet potato waffle Zane walks off victorious. But what is this? The Legionnaires are being attacked by Enzo with a bucket of what is absolutely shaving cream and not hair (laughs) removal cream. Tom Phillips... fucking says that on camera like they're trying to play it off as this is hair removal cream we've all agreed that's what it is tom phillips oh, voicing over what is that shaving cream oh my fucking god tom i still love tom phillips though but still so Indeed. they try to dunk LaFour into it but he escapes so i guess we'll find out later on what how this is gonna go down sure backstage neville is just perfect he's perfect This match is a risk because he doesn't have to be pinned, but he likes taking risks. So he's just looking forward to the challenge. Mm -hmm. God damn it. Do I love him? (laughs) This is direct to camera. He's legitimately worth following to other promotions people. I don't even mean AEW. I mean, just Google pack matches and just Mm -hmm. go enjoy yourself. Seriously. Add. Ad. OMG, WCW, the top 50 incidents, which has a wide array of meanings that I am afraid about. <laughs> okay, so we see the guy with the sparkle helmet. I already forgot yep. what that was called. What was that called?
1: The Shockmaster.
0: Shockmaster. There we go. But also Sting and RoboCop. Don't know what that's about, but I've heard horror <laughs> stories. An electric chair match, maybe, Chucky. From the horror films, and then Batman, the Batman symbol is in the sky, or maybe a Batman, an off-brand Batman symbol, and a guy on fire leaps two stories, maybe three, hard to say. David Arquette wins a title, I don't know, thoughts, smiles.
1: Uh, I didn't watch WCW, I know some of the stuff, I mean, like, things like the Chucky thing are just, like, fucking, like, stuff of wrestling legend, um... No. You know, Shockmaster obviously is another one of those where it's like, oh yeah, you've, you've heard of this incident. You've heard of this thing that happened. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that like WWE seems to be promoting it like it was, you know, oh, the wacky WCW. We would never do anything that stupid. It's like you you probably were like in that moment. But they have also, like, put out DVDs of their own stupid shit, so you can't accuse them of not being completely self-aware. WCW was a promotion in the 90s and did a bunch of stupid crap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough.
1: It's fucking professional wrestling.
0: Part of me was like, oh, maybe that would be fun to watch, but I'm like, I bet part of it is very not fun to watch and I won't know when it's going to hit. Right. Match five. Lady Whistledown's match report. Yeah. Yeah. Reverend Parker is gracing us with his presence once again, and there are some supporters amongst the Ton. Now, unfortunately for Reverend Parker, he must contend with one of the most delightfully talented gentlemen that high society has to offer, Mr. Adrian Neville. Now, previously, the Ton has found the efforts of Reverend Parker to be less than satisfying, <laughs> so we shall have to see what sort of reception they are granted on this occasion. The assembly begins a dueling chant, but I was, alas, unable to make it out. Something is... boring? Good sir, could I prevail upon you to let me know what was being said? I do so enjoy a good bit of gossip. (laughs) Uh,
1: Of course, Lady Whistledown. I'm pretty sure the chanting question that you're referring to was, CJ's boring.
0: Hmm... Now, Reverend Parker is permitted a respectable showing for his talents, although it all goes rather amiss when he attempts a splash, only to find that his quarry has abandoned him. It is only the merest effort for Mr. Neville to apply a series of kicks to Reverend Parker and position himself to deliver his final statement on the matter, the Red Arrow. Mm -hmm. And a word to any young women of the taunt. Mr. Neville showed only the barest sheen of sweat after his exertions. It really does make one wonder what else he might be capable of with such ease.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, it does.
0: Like, I don't care that he looks like a little goblin hobbit. He's the <laughs> fucking hottest thing in the world. I'm sorry.
1: Sex with Neville would just be...
0: It would kill you, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how he has a wife and not like a series of people that just are like, like American gladiator people that he right. just calls.
1: It's one of those sex scenes where, like, it cuts, you know, the the movie or the TV show, like, cuts right before the actual sex, and then, like, you come back afterward, and, like, (laughs) Neville is just, like, sitting in bed, like, totally fine, like, reading a book or whatever, and his partner is, like, sprawled out on the end of the bed, like, face down, panting, (laughs) like, unable to move.
0: (laughs) Multiple household objects have been destroyed. (laughs) All right, match six. Now the food metaphors stop, because... It's not, well, it's a real match though. Okay. A real match. And it is you, Miles, you standing in front of your collection of recipe books or your open tabs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you must decide what to have for dinner. Mm. Are you going to have shepherd's pie or enchiladas? And I think that's pretty obvious that you should pick enchiladas. And we're not I mean, going to get into the rolled tacos <laughs> or rolled versus stack controversy because New Mexico is unique and I accept this. But two points, Bob.
1: Point number one, uh, you're giving me a lot of credit as to about how much time I'm spending on dinner, <laughs> especially <laughs> if I'm only making it for myself. Uh, secondly, yes, that's correct. Enchiladas, please. And thank oh, yeah.
0: Enchiladas. OK, yeah. red or green? Uh, green. Yeah, oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Red's yeah. trash. Red's trash. I People Sorry. keep saying red can be good and i'm like okay where though i can do christmas i
1: can do the combination sometimes but like you can't do like red without green like what's even the point point
0: of christmas is like well what if it was half bad and half good like (laughs) what the the fuck is the point of that is it just so that a way you can have a bite of the red and then it makes you appreciate the green all the more So
1: say you're eating a burrito and you have, like, some green hot sauce and some red hot sauce. And, like, you're enjoying yourself with the green hot sauce, right? And you're eating it. And then, like, I can see there's a world in which you might, like, try a little bit of the red just because you have it and you want to see what it tastes like. But then, like, after that one bite, you're immediately going back to the green. I don't make the rules. That's what you're doing.
0: Yeah. You're like,
1: well, that's inferior. Okay, back to the good stuff.
0: Okay. Put your dukes up. Put your dukes up. And then we also get... Lu-cha, lu-cha, lu-cha. And they lock up and there's a bit of, I'm hugging you. No, I'm hugging you. No, tis I who am doing the hugging, good sir. (laughs) Kalisto and English lunge at one another and back to the hugs until Kalisto gifts us with his spinning blow off the top rope. Now, okay, this is a deep fucking cut. Miles, I don't think you can help me here. Okay. If you ever had this one toy kai and i each had one it's like a princess very spindly with these sort of fluttery wings and then these foam wings and you would put her on a base (laughs) and then there was a cord and you'd fucking rip that cord and she would shoot up into the sky like a helicopter but the thing is is that you could also use it tactically if you were of a mind to do so you can do a lateral launch it's imperfect, but where there's a will, there's a way. Kai, you're going to have to remind me what those things are called. Yeah, but I the have point no is,
1: idea what you're talking <laughs>
0: about. Look, if you know what that toy is, please let me know. I, they were pretty <laughs> fun. So Kalisto does a torneo at Aiden English, and that is very much that. Okay. The Sin Cara is tagged in, and then Gotch is tagged in. And it's like watching two cats just fight. Sinkara leaps at Gotch in the corner and positions himself to fall back, dragging Gotch over him. Like when you see two cats kind of just bowl one another over, it's very bad. Then Sinkata goes to the other corner and leaps to the second rope because he's got the zooms now. Gotch pursues and then drop kicks Sinkara up and over the rope to bounce him off the apron and onto the floor. Meow. And now it's all getting a bit crazy. There's just cats everywhere. Kalisto and Gotch are legal. Callisto wipes out Gotch, goes for the pin. English leaps over to break it up. kind Cara comes in, takes out English, sending him over the top rope, then leaps after him to throw his full body across English, leaving them both strewn upon the ramp. Mm, it's Kalisto. I know, strewn is the best. So it's Callisto and Gotch alone in the ring. He struggles with the height of Gotch, but does his float over into a straddle, getting Gotch on the back of the dome, and then Simkata is tagged and follows it up with a somersault on Gotch from approximately 50 miles away. Is <laughs> more like two-thirds of the ring, but jumping is hard, and it looked really far, even for a cat. Fair. And then, gets the pin, Team Lucha advances! Cue the industrial vampire metal of the Ascension. And they come to the top of the ramp, holding their belts high and looking stern. Well, okay. Victor is looking stern. Connor is puffing in distress slightly and looks like a wild animal that's been spooked and isn't sure if he's going to attack or not. (laughs) Fade to black.
1: Rowan walked in at this point of the episode and uh, he was like, what are those people doing? And I was like, well, they're standing there and looking very serious and pointing.
0: That's hard to explain to a small child.
1: All right, Bob, thank you so much for that breakdown. What did you think of this episode overall?
0: There were some really fucking amazing things in it. Yes. There was a lot of amazing things in it. The match quality was enjoyable to watch, but hell to summarize because I'm like, well, functionally nothing happens.
1: A lot of short (laughs) matches in this one.
0: Which I love watching a short match, but there is no story to any of these matches. There is nothing that you are watching that you're like, oh, it's, you know, shades of character necessarily. It's just, yeah. uh, remember this person? They're going to do a thing whenever we have the pay-per-view.
1: The main event was the longest match, and it was just over five minutes.
0: Yeah, it was so. weird to do that, which is why I did the food thing.
1: Yeah, and it's strange, too, because like none of the matches are bad. No, you know? no, it's, none of them were bad. They're honestly, like, a lot of them are pretty enjoyable. Like, I'm su- kind of surprised. I'm looking at, like breeze dillinger and i'm like that match went 245 like i guess but i thought that match was doing some stuff
0: oh 100 every single match was fun to watch but it wasn't doing anything narratively so you're like i don't know they just did cool shit bob before we
1: move on we do have to ring the bell for someone
0: oh no okay well everybody here is a friend and i'm so i'm sad already Fortunately, we're only ringing the bell softly for Mm -hmm. Adam Rose. Yeah, but Um, it's not going to get
1: better, though, is it? Not really. This tag team (sighs) tournament thing was pretty much Adam's last hurrah in NXT before becoming a full-time main roster guy. We'll see him again in about six months of NXT time, and he does have like a few NXT matches left in him, so there's no need to do the full obituary yet. But he is going to be gone for a little while, and I'm pretty sure this is the last time we're going to see... Like this specific version of the character. Oh, not saying he's no longer like a party guy, but like I think this version with like the rosebuds and the lollipop and all kind of all kind of this stuff. Like he goes through changes before we see him again. Is what I'm preparing you for. Okay, Adam Rose. We'll see you in a little bit. We'll talk more about you uh, when we're finally uh, saying goodbye uh, in a while. But uh, for now, good luck, buddy.
0: <laughs> we're thinking about you.
1: It is now time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan Bob, in this episode, what did your elf eyes see?
0: I've seen it for a while now, but I haven't said anything about it because I keep forgetting about it. But there is a sign in the audience I think it says we want graves. Okay. I know he's been injured by this point, right? Oh, yeah. And they guess they don't know that or they don't know how what? bad the injury is.
1: They might not know how bad the injury is.
0: And I was just like, ah, I miss that trash boy, too. I mean, he wasn't doing anything. He did a lot of leg blocks or whatever, but... He did a thing, and he had that weird little belly button tattoo, so...
1: There's rumors, as we record this in February 2022, there are rumors flying around right now that he might be making an in-ring return.
0: I would actually watch that match, and I don't think I would necessarily enjoy it, (laughs) but it would be important to me that I witness it. I'm
1: happy for him is what I'll say
0: yes yes 100% it is sometimes like whenever your friend like does a thing and you're like I love you but I'm not sure I want to engage with the thing because if <laughs> I don't like it for whatever personal things I like and don't like this is going to be an issue and so like I love you and I support you but I can't go there because the risks are far too great <laughs> Miles what did your elf eyes see Originally, I was going to use this
1: time to talk a little bit about Ty Dillinger <laughs> because I don't know if you noticed, Bob, but he did do a little bit of a peck shimmy <gasps> when they go off the ropes and he like shoulder blocks uh, breeze down to the canvas. Oh, yeah, and he looks that all was a, a bit second. of a peck shimmy. He does a little bit of a peck shimmy. And like, I thought he looked good and super intense and it was kind of funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However, I have to talk instead about something that you didn't mention in your breakdown, which is there was a moment in the main event. At the beginning, Callisto and English are locked up and doing their back and forth. And Callisto is kind of getting the better of English consistently. Mm-hmm. English goes to the corner, but he doesn't tag out. He just huddles with Gotch for a second, and Gotch, like, is whispering in his ear and is kind of giving him some, like, advice or whatever on how to deal with Kalisto, and then English stays in the match and, like, goes back to star fighting again. And I wish this happened more often.
0: Aww. Like,
1: it just makes so much sense to, like, okay, no, don't tag out, but it's like, here's some pointers, you know what I mean? I don't know. I just kind of really enjoyed it. It was a, a moment that stood out to me. You don't see it very often in tag team matches, and I feel like you should.
0: Uh, you're right. I haven't seen it. I think that's probably why I didn't even, like, pay attention to it. Yeah. Because I was like, this is noise, not signal.
1: Uh, I think it is signal. I think the right. Vaudevillons have I think a special relationship. Yeah. Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear?
0: There was actually a lot of gems on commentary this time.
1: <laughs> Agreed.
0: There is a moment backstage that my heart broke. Okay. So Devon says muchas gracias y buena suerte. So she says that to Sin Cara and Callisto. and Calisto, on his way out to Devon, says muchas gracias y buena suerte a ti, which is thank you and good luck to you. And <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, you, oh, and on film, you poor baby. We've all been there where (laughs) you say the thing and like, good luck. And then like you say, good luck to you too. And then you're like, fuck.
1: (laughs) That made no sense.
0: Or like, hope you enjoy your meal. You too. And you're like, god damn it. God (laughs) damn it. I'm a fool. And like to have that captured on film, I just felt Uh. it so keenly. I hope that wherever he is, whatever he's doing right now, that that hasn't happened to him in, like, two years. I hope he's gone <laughs> two years without having that awkward moment of, damn it, why did I say that? All right, Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? hear?
1: Uh, I just did want to shout out commentary real quick, because this was a pretty decent showing oh, from yeah. the commentary team. I was actually, like, enjoying the commentary, which <laughs> is weird. And in particular, I want to shout out Renee, because I feel like Renee has really really been rounding into form the yes. last couple episodes. And in this one, she is just really like the MVP of that booth. Just a lot of great lines. Like She calls Alexa a sexy smurf at one point. I wrote that one down. She's got the one when, when Dillinger and Breeze are fighting Phillips, I think says that uh, Dillinger is from Canada and like played some kind of division of hockey and Renee, mm. who's also Canadian, just like instantly is like, oh, yeah, we all do. Like they all everybody in Canada does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, given a hockey stick at birth.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just thought she was really on point. The whole commentary team was on point, but I thought Renee in particular, really great episode for her.
0: There was a moment whenever they're talking about the fact that William Regal is general manager and she was sort of expressing her appreciation and the fact that she really likes him. And yeah. uh, Byron Saxton tried to make it weird and was like, well, what does that mean? And she just says, oh, just that he likes me better than you. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's the perfect answer to like, oh, is there workplace impropriety? You're be like, no, he just thinks I'm better and cooler than you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's some good moments where she shows some growth and doesn't get Pulled off into these weird side conversations that can go to weird places. There was another one where uh, she was talking about Tyson and Natty. And I think it was Byron who was like, Well, how do you know about their relationship? And she's like, Because I've interviewed them.
0: Yes. And he's like,
1: Oh, well, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think in the past, she, and in particular when she's working with Albert and Regal, maybe it's because like they're experienced wrestlers who are also coaches there, and she feels like she has to kind of yes-and them a little bit more Mm, than she does with the others. But in these cases, she really just, like, avoids those traps and sticks with what she's doing and does a really good job. And as I recall, she's on commentary for TakeOver and does a really good job, too.
0: Yay!
1: All right, Megan Bob, what did your human heart feel?
0: Carmella. Okay. I know she is reviled in many spheres of the internet It is is tiresome to watch wrongly wrongly okay good i know that her wrestling style is not necessarily thrilling because i think there's a certain character choice that was made but she's fucking good at playing a character yes like we met her within two seconds i knew who she was yeah and this was improv let's be very clear there was not a fucking script i don't think I would be shocked. Yeah, these people do not seem like scripted people. And she pulled it off and had a sense of who this person was, her relationship with the other two, how the relationship she had with the other two differed. It was amazing to see that because there's a lot of wrestlers who are not actors. And that's fine. You don't have to be. But it's nice when you get both. And I was like... Holy shit, Carmela's both.
1: Yeah, I'm very happy that she's here, and um, I think she gets a bad rap personally.
0: Okay, good. Miles, what did your human heart feel?
1: So just like also the salon scene. Uh, yeah, I mean a I lot would of not. things about it. I think my MVP of it, though, as much as I love seeing Carmela, was Big Cass. Um, <sighs> yeah, just his like deadpan responses to Enzo, and like. The way he's doing this character where it's like, again, we've talked about before, like Enzo is like the yappy little dog that doesn't know when to shut up. And Cass is just like perfectly deadpanning everything he says.
0: So good. God damn.
1: There's that weird moment where the guy comes in and seems like he's being coded gay.
0: Yes, 100%. Because he's like,
1: I'm wearing a pink shirt and I have a British accent and I'm going to get whatever he says he's going to get. I'm going to get waxed. Yeah. But, like, they don't linger on it, and there's no reaction to it, like, oh, gross, a gay guy? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah,
0: no, that's not what they're upset about. They're just like, oh, fancy person, fuck this. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And I don't know, I appreciated that about it, even though yes. I think the, the choice to code the guy that strongly was a, one that I wouldn't have made, but whatever. Mm. And then at the end, I just love, I love Cass turning the camera to his own face. <laughs> Like, it's a fucking episode of Malcolm in the Middle and saying, holy jeez, it works. Yes. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. It's exactly that kind of, like, kids sitcom where the kids are like, oh, my God, we mixed up all the hot sauce in the house and made a super hot sauce. Like
0: We will I don't know. try to find a clip of just that section and leave it in the show description. I'll see what I can do.
1: I'll see what I can if do. We can
0: do that, you deserve to see it. All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds and feels of pro
1: wrestling. Before we move on to the rest of our show, it's time to award one lucky performer with the Lawrence Bolivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit. So Megan Bob, who gets your Lawrence Olivier Award in this episode?
0: My Lawrence Bolivier award is going to Tyson Kidd.
1: Okay, tell me why.
0: That fucking backstage segment. It, it was, was good. such a good burn. And it was thought out. He never stumbled. It was so well developed that you thought he got you so convinced that he was going to that place. He was like, this one person in the ring has these qualities and these qualities and these qualities. And then this other person has these qualities and these qualities and these qualities, and these qualities. And then at the end of it, he's like, and then these other people are in the match, too. And that's how I feel about my opponents. And you're like, holy fuck, you zagged on me in the worst heel way. And I appreciated every fucking second of it. Mm -hmm. And that he was doing it with his little stupid collar over his sweater. (laughs) Tremendous. Miles, who is receiving your Boris Olivier Award?
1: I'm giving my Lawrence Bolivier award to Charlotte in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um and the reason is because of just everything she's doing physically right now. That match with Alexa was apparently the shortest match on the card. I loved it. It was my favorite match on the show. That's super on brand for me, obviously. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> The whole match was about how powerful Charlotte was compared to Alexa. So in the beginning, they lock up and Alexa like shoves Charlotte against the ropes, presumably going to Irish whip her. That's how a lot of matches start off is the baby face, who's like presumably um, not as big as the heel. Right. That happens all the time. Powers the heel off the ropes, uses that momentum to like do some kind of big flippy move. And that's how we shine the face at the beginning of the match. Alexa tries to do that. Charlotte just doesn't go with the Irish whip. She just like drags her knee on the ground and like drags Alexa down with her because she's like, nope, I'm too strong for you. And then the rest of the match, like uh, Charlotte kind of like overpowers her and has control over her for a while is doing the whole heel thing. But then the rest of the match is basically Alexa escaping, doing some kind of like impressive athletic maneuver. And then Charlotte gets out of it. And then Alexa does another one. And then Charlotte just like gets up. And then she does another one, and it doesn't matter. Now now she's clotheslining you. Oh, shit, bat out of the queen. You're done. <laughs> it speaks so much to me to what Charlotte has become, just like this dominant force where it's like, no, none of your babyface bullshit is going to work. You can do all the flips you want. I'm just going to beat you. Like, eventually, I'm just beating you, and that's how it's going down. And then Bailey comes out. And the whole thing with like the looking at her hand and being like, is this what you really want in the handshake? And then pie facing her. I mm. don't know. Like, I just was really into Charlotte's performance in this episode. And to me, this episode, for whatever reason, this random match with Alexa Bliss and this continued feud with Bailey, this episode, I was like, oh, okay, Charlotte's here. Like, this is really the Charlotte that I fell in love with.
0: Even though I don't know Charlotte nearly as well as you do. It was like, oh, okay, she's pretty much done cooking. She's not a baby who doesn't know what she's doing anymore.
1: Yeah, with the split from the BFFs and now a match like this one and the feud with Bailey that she's got going on, this is really the moment where I'm like, okay, this clicks for me. So yeah, that's why I'm giving her this award. Bob, it's now time for you to award all of us. Yeah, with your fanfic explaining the wrestling term of the week from our last episode which was house
0: show here is a blast from the distant past okay we return now to the world of pride and pinfalls yes it's about time charlotte lucas was well thought of in the promotion Her connection to Lizzie and the entire Bennet stable nearly made her an honorary member but for the fact that her own parents insisted on keeping her under the Lucas brand. She had just finished a rousing match with Marianne Dashwood who had debuted to much acclaim, although still relatively untried. The audience appreciated the show of sportsmanship and the friendly embrace they shared afterwards. Marianne had taken Charlotte's submission finisher with good grace and accepted that the affair was not personal in the slightest, and that Charlotte Lucas would be the first to congratulate her if Marianne bested her in their next outing. Charlotte's entrance music, a lively minuet, was being played by the string quartet in the corner as Marianne headed backstage. She was nearly bowled over by a man who looked quite pleased with himself and was clapping magnanimously. Marianne scowled and ducked around him. Charlotte Lucas hardly noticed the approaching gentleman at all, until he shouted bravo, and the crowd turned on him with deep hatred, as though born of some long-standing relationship. Bravo, Miss Lucas, that was a fine showing, especially for one such as yourself, very fine indeed. My thanks. I am, of course, gratified to know that even one such as myself can claim the distinction of your regard, Mr... Mr. Collins, Lady Catherine de Bourgh has been kind enough to offer me patronage and entrance into this federation. Fuck you. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Charlotte raised an eyebrow. (laughs) Yes, I see you are at least well known to those gathered here today, if not to myself. Yes, he coughed awkwardly. Well, one does put in an appearance at the odd house show. (laughs) And what an impression you've made, it seems, Charlotte replied. Mr. Collins cleared his throat. I certainly strive to make a positive one. As it happens, I'm looking for a tag team partner in this promotion. That is part of what has brought me here. A tag team partner? Yes, a help meet, someone to help manage the travel arrangements and see to meals, that sort of thing. Charlotte's face remains studiously unmoved. "'A flattering partnership to anyone, I'm sure. "'Perhaps even to you, Miss Lucas?' "'No, no, no!' <laughs> shouted the crowd. <laughs> "'Lady Charlotte gave a bland smile, and curtsied. "'Oh, naturally, for one such as myself, "'I cannot help but be astonished "'that you would pay me any mind at all. "'Now, if you will excuse me, Mr. Collins, "'I'm afraid I must go help Lizzie prepare for her match. "'Good day, Mr. Collins.' Mr. Collins bowed politely as Charlotte passed him on the ramp. The crowd roiled with disapprobation. Their tolerance for Mr. Collins entirely used up. Several crumpled programs bounced off of him as those gathered made clear their feelings. Mr. Collins barely caught his hat as it was knocked from his head by a woman with particularly steady aim. (laughs) He pursed his lips and retreated to the back, huffing under his breath about loudish behavior and the state of young ladies in this modern era.
1: So nice to be back in Pride and Pinfalls. I really hope that this version of Charlotte Lucas tells that motherfucker where to stick
0: it. I mean, it's very satisfying, though, in the book, whenever he dies and she's a rich widow. (laughs) Such a peak Austin moment of like, the real dream, young ladies, is that you marry the (laughs) asshole and then he dies in a most embarrassing and shameful way. I don't know. I think he was like run over by cows or something. I don't remember.
1: I forget. forget It's been a long
0: time. And you're just like, oh, and I have this money and everything. And now, fuck everybody else. I just get to have my best life.
1: Hang on. I'm just looking up how he dies real quick.
0: Okay. Uh... No, this doesn't say. Wait, does he not die? I could Perhaps have sworn he, he fucking does. Not according to this. Okay, all right, so Miles. the fanfic that you read? <laughs> Miles, yeah. shut the fuck up. Okay, so I, <laughs> I was in Northern Ireland, and it was very cold and wintry. Uh-huh. And I bought two enormous published Pride and Prejudice fanfics.
1: Okay. That
0: were like called, you know, uh, d- something Pemberley. I don't know uh passions at pemberley i don't know they were real they were you know proper paper books they had beautiful covers everything it didn't have like a swooning lady on it it was classy Uh fucking shit sure sure. miles was there a scene in which lizzie made darcy leave the boots on a fucking course there was of course there was but anyway so i guess he died in that i think that's canonical so there you go okay i'll take it mr collins Eat shit and die. Indeed. Okay.
1: Thank you so much for that fanfic, bub. It is now time for wrestling term of the week. And the wrestling term of the week, you may be surprised to learn, is fatal four-way. So this is a pretty simple term, but since we are on the doorstep of takeover fatal four-way, I thought we'd just talk for a second about fatal four-ways, which uh, are a match that are more rare than you might think. The first fatal four-way match in WWE, to my knowledge, happened in 1997, so 25 years ago. But there have only been like 80 or so in all that time, and that includes NXT. Whoa. It's just not something you do that often. Most people will tell you, and I tend to agree, that wrestling usually works best when it's either a one-on-one singles match or a two-on-two tag team match. Those are the purest wrestling structures, and they are that for a reason. Triple threats can work and are often fun, but when you get four people in the ring together, the match gets harder to manage, and as a result, it's harder for it to stay compelling. It can work, there's lots of examples, and I tend to think that the main event of this upcoming takeover is one of them. It's just harder. And once you get past four people, shit gets crazy, and before you know it, you're sealing wrestlers in glass tubes while they wait their turn to come out and fight. It's weird. <laughs> Anyway, a couple things to know about Fatal 4-Ways. In some promotions, the Fatal 4-Way goes by other fancy names like Four Corner Survival, and there's also a variation on the Fatal 4-Way called the 4-Way Elimination Match, in which wrestlers who are pinned or tapped out are eliminated, and then the Ah. remaining wrestlers continue until only one is left. Unless this is specified, however, especially in WWE, you can assume that 4-Ways are one-fall matches like Triple Threats, where the first person to score a pinfall or submission wins. In WWE, also like triple threats, they are no disqualification matches, although this may or may not actually come up. (laughs) As Adrian Neville explained to us so beautifully in this episode, these two things in combination mean that in the event of a fatal four-way championship match, the champion's advantage is off the table, and you could even say that the champion is at a disadvantage because they don't need to be pinned or tapped out to lose their title. That having been said, you should probably know, Bob, That in four-way championship matches, the champion typically retains. Not always. There have been many exceptions, and I'm not implying anything about what might or might not happen at TakeOver. But just so you know, the champ usually goes over in these ones because winning the title in a four-way match just isn't as good a story as winning it in a singles match. Yeah. But again, it does happen. You will see it happen in NXT. Will it happen at this TakeOver? Will it happen at another takeover? Will it happen on a regular show? I know, but you don't. And we're going to keep it that way. But I just, at some point, you will see it. Okay. But it is a thing that is tendency like Fatal Four Ways tend to be like, hey, look, the champion just beat a bunch of their challengers at the same time. That's usually the story they're telling. Okay. And um, come back two episodes from now to hear Bob's fanfic explaining. Uh, The Fatal 4-Way. Next episode, we are covering Takeover Fatal 4-Way with a very special guest, so Mm -hmm. uh, we're not going to do the fanfic on that one, but we will on episode 70, because, Bob, I don't know if you knew this, but the Takeover (sighs) episode? Yes. It's episode 69. Nice! (laughs) All right. Well, we are coming to the close of episode 68, but before we go, Bob, we have to complete the Cheap Pop Quiz. Once again, Bob, seven points. A sweep here would take you all the way to the promised land.
0: This is one of those things like they do in wrestling commentary where they're like, oh, my God, if they won this one, then they'd have to be in the conversation for the championship match. (laughs) And like, yeah, but that's not going to happen. You're just saying that.
1: (laughs) You never know. Okay. So, Megan, Bob, question number one at Takeover, we will see another instance of a former jobber or possibly two debuting in the form they will be primarily known for in NXT, though not necessarily on the main roster. Which jobber would that be? Is it A, Baron Corbin? (laughs) (laughs) B, Steve Cutler? C, Elias Sampson? D, Baron Corbin and Steve Cutler as a tag team? Or E, Steve Cutler and Elias Sampson as a tag team?
0: No, just sticking to my guns. You're sticking to your guns. This may not work out, but I am committing the sunk cost fallacy, and I will keep Baron Corbin. I'm just going to keep betting on Baron Corbin And one day. I'm not going to get anything out of this. This is a bad decision. I should stop, but I've gone too far. (laughs) Okay.
1: So your answer is A, Baron Corbin. Yep. Question number two. Who gets their head shaved at NXT TakeOver? Is it A, Enzo Amore, B. Sylvester LaForte, C. Big Cass, D. Marcus Louis, or E. Nobody.
0: I think it's either Sylvester LaForte or Nobody. Okay. But I feel like it has to be somebody because otherwise the crowd's going to be so fucking mad. Mm -hmm. I mean,. It's less of an ask to have Marcus Louis shave his head because he's got short hair, but right. it's been about Sylvester Lafort. And so, but Sylvester Lafort would throw Marcus Louis under the bus. Maybe this is setting up something with them where there's like betrayal. OK, you know what? I've talked myself into it. Marcus Louis gets head shaved. Marcus Louis gets his head shaved. OK,
1: choosing the answer D. And finally, Bob, it's time to pick the winners of some takeover matches. OK. Once again we will do only the championship matches for this question. Okay. So who wins the following three contests? Seen Cara and Kalisto versus The Ascension, Charlotte versus Bailey and Adrian Neville versus Tyson Kidd, Tyler Breeze, and Sami Zayn. There are uh 16
0: possibilities. Okay. I'm not
1: going to read them all, but No, god, just tell me don't. who you think
0: are, just tell me who you think is winning they have to give it to Sinkar and Callisto. Okay. They just have to. I don't think they're ready to take it off Charlotte yet. Okay. I also don't think that they're going to take it off of Adrian Neville yet either. Okay. But I think they are going to do a big thing. I just don't think that's it because all I know is that big things are going to happen later. And this has to set that up. And I don't think all the big explosions later can work unless we boil on the status quo for a little longer. I'm okay. guessing. So I think the only belt that changes hands is the tag team belt. And I hope that they're kind to the Ascension and keep them in their little vampire retirement home.
1: <laughs> all right. So your answer is Sincara and Callisto, Charlotte and Neville. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that is my okay. plan.
1: All right, we'll come back on uh, the next episode to see how Bob did on the Cheap Pop Quiz, and come back on the next episode anyway, because it's going to be fucking takeover, and it's going to be great. Yeah! Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, as always, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for joining me, and for Enchilada Chat, for (laughs) learning about Nair, which... Have you ever used Nair for any reason? No. (laughs) I just, look, hey, you were in theater. You never know. That's Uh, true.
1: But no, nobody's allowed to touch my hair.
0: Okay. I have used Nair upon my legs, but once. And let me tell you, Mm. that shit is for fucking real. And it is, (laughs) people shouldn't use it. They shouldn't sell it at the stores. Basically, it's a dangerous product. Thanks
1: to all of you also for uh, joining us on this episode. And thank you in particular to our patrons. Mm -hmm. uh, Those people who go over to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and contribute a little bit of your hard-earned money. Uh, It's an interesting time to be alive in the world right now. And anything you can throw our way really helps and is really appreciated. And Bob, we have some updates in that regard. Now, we've (gasps) been doing the next Wrestling Fan Federation Trios Tournament. We're
0: through round one. Yes. And Uh, many fucking shockers in round one.
1: Yeah, some big upsets. We're going to get back to the Trios tournament on our next episode, but we're taking a little bit of a break in between rounds. And the reason is we have a couple of other announcements. There have been some other developments in the Federation. First one, we have a new champion, Bob. Okay. And I want to tell you a little bit about how this went down. So what happened was in the lead up to round two,
0: uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: Our reigning champion, Harry Bumblespike of Bumblespike Hall. Oh, yes. Came to the ring with their uh, with their partners in the trios tournament, those being their regular tag team partner, Oliver Silvers and Changeling. Yes. And they got on the mic and they started talking about how the team they're about to face in round two, which is the team of Watership Doom, Neil and Morgan Oof. Mab, are... Just like not in their league, and like Neil in particular, you know, Changeling Neil's brother is right there, and yeah. they're like really going in in particular on Neil in this promo. Oh man! At which point, Sidreal Constellations music hits, <gasps> and Sid comes out, and of course, you know, these are we're all baby faces here, but uh, but yeah, Sid yeah. seems a little on edge. Sid starts talking about how you know the real threat in that team is Watership Doom, oh, and man. Watership Doom has been out here running his mouth long enough. Yeah. Of course, Sidreal doesn't want bad things to happen to the champion or whatever. Yeah. Definitely, you know, wants these people to know that, like, if they make it past the champion and their partners, you know, Sigil Constellation will be more than willing to put the final nail in the coffin. Okay. The champ kind of fires back with, like, well, they're not getting past us, so it doesn't actually matter, and you're not going to get what you want, so go away. Why are you out here? (laughs) At which point, Crash Tag's music hits.
0: Wait, what is going... Okay.
1: Crash Tag and his partners... Fat sixty nine, the pot smoking robot, and Goodwill Green, yes. are up against Sid's team in round two. Oh my god! And Crash Tag is taking a bit of an issue with the idea that like Sid Constellation and, and and their friends are just gonna like can yeah, walk, walk into them. the final round. And moreover, both of you don't know what you're talking about because the real threat in that other team is Morgan Mab, who is clearly manipulating everything behind the scenes. Oh shit. Why can't you see the bigger picture, says the hacktivist. (gasps) Wow. And Bob, this leads to, as you might expect, an impromptu triple threat match for the next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship. I'm not going to go into details in that match, but I will say one of the interesting things about it is that the crowd firmly behind Crash Tag. Wow. And as a result, there is an enormous pop when Crash Tag
0: wins the championship. This is really interesting because, like, I'm, I'm really happy for Crash Tag, but I'm really fascinated that the crowd is like going, Crash Tag's got fingers on the pulse, knows what's up. Everyone else is kind of lost in the weeds. And the
1: most interesting thing about it, Bob, going forward, might be the fact that Crash Tag actually pinned Sidril to huh. win the championship.
0: Oh shit.
1: Which is perfectly legal.
0: Oh my god, didn't defeat Bumble Spike, but also now has beef with Sidreal Constellation. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, and Bumble Spike's not happy with Sid either. So, you oh, know. Oh whoa. But hey, congratulations to Crash Tag, our new yeah. champion, Cam B, uh decided to up his pledge, and we really appreciate him for Thank it. You. And, uh, you go, buddy. Fucking hacktivist that shit. Bring down the machine. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You show Morgan
1: Mab what's what. But you got to get past Sid and their friends first. Oh, man. And also, Bob, we have a new signee here in The Next Wrestling Fan. Okay. Um, Owen Washington Hobbs mm-hmm. uh, has joined our crew. And uh, so we need to give him a character. Uh, this character, I say signee, Bob. Yes. It's more like he just kind of showed up. Wait, what? Like, he was just there one day. It seemed to happen, like, shortly after all that weird, like, timeline shit was going on a few weeks ago. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This guy is just, like, here. He doesn't appear to have, like, any hair on his body at all. Okay. And he won't really tell anybody his name. Okay. So we've just been calling him John Doe. And you have to say, okay. like, the first time he came in the ring, he was, like, a jobber, and he clearly, yeah. like, didn't know anything about wrestling.
0: Oh, that's And the, the person right.
1: who beat him, the person who beat him just, like, hit a bunch of moves and then ended it, right? Uh-huh. The second time John Doe got in the ring, he also lost the match, but he was clearly imitating the wrestling style of the person who had defeated him.
0: Oh, my God, this is terrifying, and I love it. And then the third time
1: he got in the ring, he utilized the wrestling style of the person who defeated them the second time, but this time he won. What the fuck? So no one really is quite sure what this dude's deal is. He won't really talk to anybody. Uh, He claims to just kind of be, like, curious. (laughs) But he's a real weird guy who doesn't have any hair on his body and won't tell anybody his name. So that's (laughs) that's who we got here with John Doe. Owen... Thank you so much for your pledge. Yes, thank you. And uh, I hope you enjoy this character. I, If you don't, give it some time because there's depths of going places.
0: <laughs> I, I can see the look in Miles' face. There is a long story that is going to unfold and I'm afraid horrify us all, but also maybe redeem us. I don't know.
1: Thank you so much to Owen again. Thank you so much to Cam. Yeah. All of our patrons really appreciate you. Bob you have something you wanted to tell everybody about just to let everyone know?
0: Yeah. So there's a new episode of Hard Choices Up. It is the Disney Villains episode. Mm. And everybody's going to have strong opinions on this. I know that there. everybody walks in with some firm favorites, and that's totally fine. I think everybody accepts by this point that my list is very particular to me. Um, <laughs> look, if you want to at me about the things that I got, quote, unquote, Wrong! That's fine. But I will say that one of my patrons made a very good point to me in the Patreon post about Disney villains. And if you go on Patreon, it has like the little extra outtakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And made a firm case for Sean Yu. And I was like, damn, Sean Yu might be top five now. That was some wow. fucking reasoning. I mean, I stand by what I said in the episode, but like maybe I should have ranked that a little higher than I did.
1: Hard choices is a, an evolving thing, you know, it, and how you yeah. feel about these characters and their fuckability on one day might not be it's how you're true. feeling about them the next day. And it's fine.
0: It captures a moment in time. But I think it also opens the doorway to deeper thoughts about these characters, deeper, horny, stupid thoughts about these characters. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: You should all definitely go check out that episode of Hard Choices. I am not on it, but I have listened to it. It is very good. Thank you. Um, You should also be in the Smash Fiction fan faction, if you're not already. We have a lot of fun over there. Yeah, One thing that I'm doing that uh, you can find in the fan faction is I have started kind of a a little book club. Yeah. More than anything else, it's just a thing that I'm doing because I have a lot of books in my house that I want (laughs) to read but haven't read yet. So I am reading a book a month. This is my attempt to get through some books in my collection. I've decided to read one book every month that I have not read yet. Uh, I have publicized the list of books that I'm reading for the rest of the year on – Twitter, which is currently, I believe, pinned to my Twitter at MJ Schneiderman. And also it's um, in the fan faction. And the fan faction is where, like, I have been posting the discussions. uh, If anybody wants to participate in discussions, if you don't, it's totally fine. Like, this is a a thing for me that I'm kind of inviting people to um, come along with me if they want to.
0: And Um, honestly, it's just interesting to read Miles's thoughts. Like, that's more fun for me than I mean, I'll read some (laughs) of them, but like, I'm just going huh, that's what Miles said, huh? Oh, okay, that's interesting. Miles is a good writer. He can make anything interesting. So I'm always like, just make Miles write a thing. And if this gets Miles to write a thing that I get to read, then great.
1: I appreciate that, Bob. So thank you. <laughs> and actually, March, because March is my birthday month, for March, the book is wrestling-centric. If you're... I've been listening to this show and you enjoy the women's wrestling history segments, you'll be very interested in this book because the book that I'm reading is called A Diva Was a Female Version of a Wrestler. And it is by Scarlett Harris. It is a history of the women's division in WWE. Uh, Miles, don't you already know everything about the women's history in WWE? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't read this book.
0: So Scarlett (laughs)
1: Harris might have like a new take on stuff or new information that I didn't have. Or I don't know. I just also really enjoyed the history of women's wrestling. So I'm reading this book. You can read it with me if you want to. Also, it's very good. Uh, Scarlett is a really cool author and uh, you should just check it out. And of course, also, there is an endgame to all of this, which I have yet to reveal that is coming down the road. You're being a real uh, watership doom about this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody for pledging or just like being part of our community. Yeah. In whatever way you find yourself able to be. And we will see you once again in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan.
0: We have a special guest, and this episode is going to be a chonker.
1: Oh boy, it's time for another takeover, folks. Yeah! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin.
0: Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative
1: work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and Stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com.
0: We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us.
1: You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness.
0: The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. Best.
1: If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at NXTWrestlingFan at gmail.com.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. If you are listening to this... And you are going, why should I have green over red? Okay. I just want (laughs) to tell you. Green tastes warm and nutty and interesting. And red often tastes a little bit like burnt dirt. And green is not good in comparison to burnt dirt. Green is fucking delicious and you put it on everything. Look,
1: I agree with you that green is the superior option by far. And if you have the choice, you should always go with green. I just want to stand up for red a little bit, though, because like I feel like you're okay. slandering red too much.
0: People insist that red can be good, and I have yet to experience it. So maybe it can be, but every time I've had it, it was burnt dirt flavored. We should mention you're
1: also, like, way more of a foodie than me. I think you have stronger opinions on these issues.
0: Mm, Almost Some might say too strong. Miles, I once cried because I was too hungry to choose a better restaurant.